Robin, you haven't fastened your safety bat belt. We're only going a couple of blocks. It won't be long until you're old enough to get a driver's license, Robin. Then you'll be able to drive the Batmobile and other vehicles. Remember, motorist safety. Gosh, Batman, when you put it that way... Welcome to Gotham, everybody. I am Ian, and we are the Arkham Rejects, back again. After and how long? <laughs> I lost count after four months. Oh, wow, um, man. <laughs> and obviously, I'm joined with some other Rejects. It's Chris here. Hey, it's Jason. And Darren's eating dinner, so he could not join us. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's being meanie. Um... So, yeah, we've been away, so I think we wanted to start off, and I wanted to kind of see uh, where you guys, what you guys have been doing since uh, our long pause and lost episode that we had. So what, what have you been up to, Jason? Playing tournaments. It's things that I wish I could do. Exactly. Living that U.S. <laughs> life. And you, Chris? Um, really focusing on the token web store. I made it to the Spring Renegade. Uh, was not... Lucky enough to go to Adepticon, had some other stuff already planned. And then, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I haven't done any of the TTS tournaments. I've just been too busy with life. But I think we're starting to get back into the swing of the whole Batman scene, which is pretty nice. I'm excited for it. Um, oh, yeah. Now, Jason, you went to Adepticon, right? I did. I would hope I would have. I'm like an hour away. Did you get COVID? No, did not get COVID. Thank God. Was that a thing? I, I heard of a lot of people and many of my other discords have been talking about getting COVID at Gen Co or Adepticon. I believe somebody, I'm not sure if he was in the Batman community or not, but somebody got a notification that they were around something near COVID and kind of like let all of us know. But I'm all good and healthy. Um, I believe most people I've I'm sort of close with in the area of the Adepticon Batman players are all good and healthy. See, sometimes it's good to be a small community. We can be stuffed away in a corner and not get get infected yeah but i cannot say without doubt that if anyone else was sick there was 10 of us there and i think there was a fair few that i've never talked with or never really even knew yeah okay uh you guys been painting any models or putting anything new together legit just painting to go to tournaments because uh, i'm one of those guys who doesn't paint my shit until it's like oh god i leave in two days yeah, that that was my thing too. So just as the tournament was creeping up, I'm like, uh oh, what am I going to play? What am I going to play? And I mean, I ended up doing almost about a dozen models for it. I finished up my Riddler crew, uh, painted up Red Rain, which I'm super proud of. And then after that, though, I came home and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a jump start now. So I started assembling. I, I assembled my entire Freeze crew. I'm waiting for some special paints to come in for that so i'm excited but it's coming all the way from the uk so i have and there's no tracking so it could just be here any day but <clears throat> really working on trying to stay up to date with painting getting at least something done every month so by the time the next tournament comes around i'm not going what do i want to play now let me paint that now it's a pretty so. good mindset to have um I, I know i'm already trying to think of what i'm going to play next i have a few ideas um, so I might try doing the same, but like knowing me, it's still probably gonna be like that last week. I mean, you you change on a dime every every time I talk to you. Yeah, I've, I'm that guy. Like I'm just like, hey, whatever. I, right now I've been on a birds of prey. Like just high, just that's all I play, and I'm absolutely sick of it. So I'm just like anything but birds is so far all I can confirm. 
Well, so what did you play at Spring Renegade? Birds. Well, yeah, like what was the list? Yeah, well, break it right. down for us, man. Um, <laughs> I brought Ivy in Spring Renegade. Um, so list list one was kind of you know you had Ivy. Uh, I brought the new one. I brought the two cheap plants, uh, the shitty plant and the disruptor plant, um, which I really should just call the cheap plant you don't care about because I've never once used the disruptor in third. Uh, I used to love that ability in second. Then I brought um, Calendar Man, of course, although he was only in one of my lists. And then I brought Catman. I'm trying to think if I had anyone else in that list. It was seven models. Um, I think I had Cassandra Kane. So that was one list. And the other one I swapped out. Catman for Clayface, and I swapped out some models to fit in Signal Man as well. Uh, and the idea was both lists had a trick I was trying to go for. Catman, it was like triple goad or triple tracking or using the Sisters in Arms resource to make him attack and then immediately remove a suspect. Um, and it's fun if you can live the dream, but you typically don't live the dream. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. <laughs> I've, I've heard. So how did it perform? Or... Would you, would you run that list again, knowing what you know now, or would you just abandon that and say, nah, I don't think this is gonna work for me? Well, for first off, I need to get on paper. I've really bad luck with my captain. I've played him. I've played him in Renegade. I got two games there. I had a practice game with him, and I'm currently playing a very similar list in the TTS tournament. And Catman has died every single game, probably by like turn two. So um, he's more of the Catman off of uh, Fairly Odd Parents thing. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly my thought. I get tickled by like TDK and I'm like, I'm going down. Um, I, I think I would. I mean, it's fun. I mean, if you just like power moves, that's what Birds of Prey really is. It's just power plays. Um, sometimes it feels bad for your opponent because you're like, hey, I'm doing all this crazy shit. Uh, and they're just like, oh my god, okay. But you're like, yep. I'm still probably not going to win the game, but we're both going to have a very frustrating time. <laughs> I think I'd bring him outside of birds, though. I, I've noticed, because I'm not doing as many of the power plays as I thought, um, that he's still definitely worth 115 points. Maybe if I had better rolls. <laughs> Is there a reason you're taking him over Bronze Tiger? Uh, because I really wanted to get use out of Hunter and Tracking. Bronze okay. Tiger just moves and knocks somebody out. But Catman has the power plays where you can goad somebody multiple times. I mean, I've consistently goaded, like, I'll attempt to go two or three times. Like, that's really strong. Yeah, but now when you're goading, um, is that a willpower or an opposed willpower? Goad is opposed. Okay, so you're not efforting, so it doesn't hurt you to goad somebody. Exactly. And tracking's also really strong, just because that's a remove and not a reveal. Um, like, in my first game with Catman, I had a moment where... There's pretty much a triangle of suspects. And I just ran Catman up and was like, okay, I'm going to remove the whole triangle. And I still have the option to attack it. I forget all the, the cards that are played, but it was probably Sisters in Arms and or in position as a resource. And it worked out really well. And I was like, cool, this is awesome. Clayface, on the other hand, I think he has some tricks that could be game-breaking, but upgrade cards don't really work that well. So you don't really end up doing them. Yeah, Clayface needs to get... Um either a new model or just like a re-release and fix the whole cards. I don't think he needs to have the two upgrade options. It should just be when he activates, he essentially chooses this half of a trait or that half of a trait to give him some kind of a, a bonus. The whole upgrade thing can probably go away now. I, I agree. I think his, it'd be really cool to see like 
two different like hard mode or mud mode mm-hmm. with him. Like I, I, he's he's one of those models that's just stuck because of second. Uh, and hopefully they get looked at eventually. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, he's I will a cool say model. The, the tricks he does have, like because he has the what, when you gun shoot him, you can make it stun damage. So you're probably gonna have your upgrade card ability more. It could be really good. It has that yeah. potential, and and that's the potential that I think is worth key points. If you could just move up and stop models from moving away. Now, see, it seems like with Clayface and Ivy, you could get really cheeky because between the bodyguard, they're protecting me. It, it's almost like it doesn't matter who you're attacking; you're going to be doing damage to somebody else. Is, well, did it seem to kind of work out that way? Um, yeah, Stefan had a vendetta against Ivy and just kept trying to attack her, and I was like, I will keep moving this around until I honestly just don't care if I lose Ivy. Because, um, you know, if it's turn three and she's already activated, I'm like, that's that's fine. Um, I'd rather lose her instead of someone who is yet to activate. Right. I had one moment, though, with Adam, and I just have to share it. Because you can protect me to a knocked out guy. Calendar Man yeah. has Runaway. He's knocked out. He's playing Batman. Um, and it was definitely the most Bat Family Batman crew you will see. And I was like, cool, I'm going to keep protecting to the same knocked out guy because you cannot coup de gras him. And he just kept rolling bad enough that I was like, I still have him on the ground. Okay, but now he can't coup de gras, but when you're transferring the damage, it's still blood damage, right? Yeah, I guess I meant he was only trying to coup de gras him and he dealt oh. pretty much only stun. So he was trying to get, you know, one hit. He was trying to get six hits on Catman, which ended up being six hits on Ivy. <sighs> And just through blocking and then the protect me, Calendar just kept being alive. Gotcha. You know, I, I definitely was super frustrating for him, especially when I could find control Red Hood and be like, cool, go murder your Nightwing. And he had nothing for that. And I was like, yep. Although he did murder my cat, man. So, you know. So after the tournament, you're you're done with birds for a while? Yeah, I've, I'm just done with birds. Um... You know, maybe if they get, like, something new release-wise, I might go play just Comic Birds. Because that crew is really fun. The Ivy crew, I just... I love Poison Ivy, but it feels weird playing with the bird stack. It feels like I'm just trying to do power plays and piss off my opponent, and then maybe I score high, maybe I lose high. That's what I felt like when I played her at a previous tournament, was I either scored, like, four cards or 16 cards. Yeah, like it felt like there was nothing in the middle, and mm-hmm. it, it just once everything got going, it snowballed hard, and it was amazing. But if I couldn't get the ball even to the top of the hill to start that snowball, I was just done, and I'd be decimated. Yeah, I still had fun with it because it was that kind of uphill challenge where it wasn't because things were broken or felt unbalanced. It's just you got to get over that initial hump and get the ball rolling, or that deck just falls flat. Yep. I think that's just a weakness with that deck in general. I mean, it's a it's a very thematic deck that I like a lot. Um, but I feel like you have to you have to come in with a plan with it on what exactly you're going to score and how you're going to score. Mm-hmm. And you, it's one of those decks that I don't think you run the full deck. Like you run like half of it. And um, you you don't run. You never take pretty break. <laughs> you just you just don't. I mean, there was a phase. I know I've seen Richard do it. Because as written, it looks like the cards can be played where you stack them. And it's like, that probably isn't the intent. 
and I'm already making people feel bad about my resources, so I'm like, like, I should probably play more. Like, I should shoot myself in the foot and just assume that that's not intended. Um, and it's not worth it's just the worst card in the game. I'll say that right now. Pretty Bird is probably the worst card in the game. I think it. if you had... So, I mean, let's just break down Pretty Birds real quick. Two enemy models suffer damage from the same attack action uh, by a friendly model that, you know, essentially they couldn't draw a line of sight to that model. So you have to start, say, behind a building or outside of 12, move up and hit two models. Now... Yeah. For two points. Um, the new canary could do that fairly easily with her canary uh, cry. Doesn't it say attack action? Um, say, yeah, it does say same attack so action. So I take that, that back. Um, so the it'd be better off by doing it with um, like throwing knives. If you had some battlings that were yes. you know double stun throwing, you know, so you're not losing the rate of fire. And then you throw the strength die at one, throw the other two at another, and just hope for the best. Yeah. Or you do it with the other black canary. That no one likes because the new one no, is better. I think people, I think people like her. They legit was talked about her last night um, compared to the new one, and she's dealing double stun, and she has this combat style. If you buy her, and I mean, her canary cry is an actual weapon, so it's, yeah, that's that's, fine. that's good. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's doable. The thing is, though, it's two points, and you have to do that three times. Yeah, and, and the resource seems by far the least helpful in brains. I mean, yeah. it's helpful, but like compared to some borderline game-breaking resources it's like why do i want this i mean honestly it's a it's a resource that helps you score the card which is just it's weird because it's like i want this resource to score the card but now i don't have the card to score so it's it doesn't really help you i mean you'll play it and then you're going to try scoring i don't know like the active model let's say you have two in your hand you don't already have one in play as a bold text um then you're going to try playing the resource to maybe score it but I feel like in reality, if you're not playing comic birds, you're just going to try shooting with a high rate of fire weapon. And you yeah. Just yeah. Hope. But it's, it's definitely like once the game gets going, like you want to be in their face. They want to be in yours typically. And then you just kind of go, oh, God, who the heck can't you see? The the weirdest interaction is by far sisters in arms with it. And it's, oh, I have a plant on the other side of the table. You can't see that plant. It's going to shoot through calendar, man. Yeah, that's kind of a weird one there yeah like that that makes even less sense oh it very much does sisters in arms doesn't make sense <laughs> i i literally my last game against josh which was in the league i was like okay frank's gonna attack for me which happened to be another plant so at least i could be like yeah just plants helping plants but still i'm like how did how did i teleport borg on across the table through the green man so swamp thing would say the green <laughs> Just a big plant wave. I mean, I like Sister Sister in Arms is probably my favorite card out of the deck, just because of what it can allow you to do. I feel like there needs to be some restriction, maybe just melee attacks, maybe I don't know. I think it could just be like within range, like a friendly model within just amount of range. Because like I feel like it's it's doing the cartoon or comic book. It's trying to emulate that like. One pu- one two punch with like one person hitting and then the other person hitting. I yeah. think you could rework it, or like swinging around with a you know your arms are linked. Yeah, like one person dives to kind of catch them, swing them, and kick them, and then throw them back over to the other fight. Like it, it represents what you see in the movies and the comic books. Yeah, it just doesn't do it well enough in the words and in the ruling of it by allowing you to to pull that off essentially all the way on the other side of the board. Right. 
I know what I, I mean. It'd be really cool. I just imagined it was like Huntress would throw her crossbow, like in the movie. Like nothing crazy, just I throw the crossbow, and Canary's gonna throw it back. I'd love to do it with Hawk and Dove, like both of them in melee with someone. Dove activates, does this to allow Hawk to hit again. <laughs> yeah, that. Where to where? Yeah, if you just made it within a specific range, if it was the friendly model has to be within eight. Right. It would, I think that would, would make, make a sense. lot more sense. Yeah. Well, maybe we okay. get an errata. Maybe. Maybe they, with the new. They, they seem to be erratic stuff left, right, and center. So we'll see. Fingers Not crossed. Cards are rulebook so far. So like that would be a, a big one for the champion for. Not yet. So and then you went to the Spring Renegade too, right, Chris? Yeah, so I played Riddler. Um, Riddler's been always one of my favorites, but he's such a weird one. And he's so opposite to what I played throughout all of second, which was Court of Owls. I'm like, I just wanted to mix it up. So um, I didn't own the Spandex Riddler, so I had to bring Modern. And I don't regret it. I think Modern is fantastic. I honestly forget a whole bunch of his traits and shenanigans, and he still performs really well for me. So I'm just thinking about if I could remember everything that he does, I would be in such a better position. Um, So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But I did win the Spandex one at the the tournament. So I think next time I play Riddler, I'll probably win him. But I did something that was really interesting. So at the Fall Renegade last year, I brought Riddler for, I think it was the 200 or the 250. And I was scoring fairly consistent in the 30-point range on the low end. But I'm doing this with, you know, five or six models that nobody attacks. Um, I had to have, you know, two bodyguards, Riddler, and then it was like, a Bagman and just the generic thug or something along, or Calendar Man, I think is what it was. And these guys are putting work in as far as scoring the decks. And then I started thinking, like, can I still consistently score low to mid 30s, but utilize that last 100 to 150 rep with a free agent that can go and disrupt my opponent? So I right. started playing around with some lists and I ended up putting together, um, it was the Harley on skates with the big triple stun mallet. And Hush, because she's charismatic, I'm able to bring two free agents. And I figured with those two, I have a speedy melee character who's going to be knocking out henchmen fairly easy. And I have a pretty deadly ranged guy. I mean, he's only short range, but he can get around and just really put some some bullet wounds into opponents. And overall, it did pretty damn well. I won my first three games, which I was not expecting. Um, which was 36 points, 46 points, 42 points. Part of that helped was I was able to bring Harley's card, Hush's card, and the two Riddler cards. So I did have a slight advantage on the deck build by having a couple extras, but I never once scored Harley's card. Um, I just used the Emancipation's resource that essentially creates a little bomb, shoots it off a suspect, and uh, just blows things up. If it does damage, it does damage. Great. If it doesn't, whatever. It doesn't destroy the suspect, so it was a resource that I would just play every time I got it in hand. Um, Hush's card, I scored maybe in two of my games, where you play it in phase two, and then you just have to play fewer resources than your opponent. So that ended up playing more into the mind games of the Riddler game, uh, because I would play... If I played a resource, then my opponent felt safe to play one. But until I played one, they 
would not play one. So it was either that or they're like, okay, I just really need to play these resources. I'm going to give you those three points. Win-win for me. Oh, yeah. um, the other thing that I did with this deck was I did not take both the reveal one, two, three, and the reveal four, five, six cards. I only took one or the other. So what that ended up doing was all of my face down cards were slightly more guaranteed. I, I had a higher chance of it scoring. So it's like easy riddle. I'm going to score that. That's it's called easy riddle for a reason. Um, the Riddler face down card where you have to have at least two riddle markers in play. Again, fairly easy to score because you're not going to put it in play if you don't have those riddles out unless you're just trying to get something on the table. And then with the numbers, I would start off with one through six, pretty much turn one, and I would do whatever I could to get those. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's the one where it says, hey, at the end of your next activation, if you don't have one through six on the board, I score. Or if I still have one through six on the board, I score. It's the riddle of nowhere. Riddle of nowhere. Um, and there's three copies of that. So I would just try to get them all done in turn one, just boom, 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 boom. And then at that point, I could reveal my own one, two, three, or my own four, five, six, which whatever was opposite of what was in my deck. So that really just forced the opponent into flipping those cards to score for me. And it worked pretty well. Um, I mean, maybe that's cheesing it because the whole point is the mind game of like, ooh, is it a one, two, three, or is it a four, five, or six? Um, but I've found if you really try to play that game, your opponent can ignore you much better than you can ignore them. So you kind of have to force it into that. But then with Harley and Hush just going up and giving the opponent something to deal with, um, I didn't really care if I lost those models because they weren't really there to assist in scoring my deck. They're only there to slow my opponent down, disrupt their scoring. So even though Harley has this just super badass mallet that does triple stun, if her going to reveal a suspect is going to stop them from scoring, she's going to do that with her was it 15 inches a move and then they always have that fear and that threat of shit if she turns around and swings that thing i'm probably getting knocked out and then it was kind of the same thing with hush is he was more i'm gonna just i i don't care if i move and then gunman and i'm only throwing one die at you he has three ammo on each gun um he's probably not surviving for his activation in turn four anyways so just go up and burn him just to oh, disrupt and take out any henchmen that help with the the scoring of their own cards <laughs> and overall it worked i couldn't uh, i don't think i ended up having any major wins so it didn't work amazing but it worked enough that i can still pull out those wins fairly consistently so i gotta ask since you dropped out one of the uh, you know reveal a certain number counter yeah did players just not reveal the number counters that you weren't bringing in your deck or is that not open information? I've always, you know, it's like what is or isn't open information. I know it's on your list that, you know, this is your deck, your side deck. That's what we did at Spring Renegade. Well, um, so the way it ends up working is, like I said, I start off with one through six on the board mm -hmm. first round. Once I get the Riddle of Nowhere scored, I'm going to remove my other ones. And a lot of times I'm going to remove those numbers to help me score easy Riddle. Gotcha. So... If, again, if Harley goes over to reveal an enemy suspect and it interrupts the opponent scoring a card and in turn helps me score easy riddle, because then my next activation, I take one of my inspired henchmen, he goes over, reveals my one or two, then with the riddle markers getting pushed out to the middle of the table, 
they do a manipulate, it causes them to pull one of mine. All that's left are those four, five, or sixes, you know, or they forget. That was also a thing. Yeah. My that. opponent knew what was in my deck, right? That, like you said, it's open information. Um, something with that, or just, you know, take a step back. We did try to do, or we played a, a new thing with the side deck. So you brought your initial 20, and then you brought six more cards. And then before each game, knowing what your opponent has, uh, models-wise, you get to go through your side deck and swap out up to six cards. And um, the character cards don't count towards the side deck or towards your 20, obviously. And it worked out really well, because what I was able to do was, depending on my opponent, those one, two, three, or the four, five, six, their resources are either move a friendly marker four or move an enemy marker four. So if I knew my opponent needed to use their own stuff and clump it up, then I would take the move the enemy marker to try to move those away and disrupt it. If they weren't really playing that, I would move my friendly markers to move the riddle markers closer in to then force them to reveal my suspects. Makes sense. How often were you... I mean, you have a very... This is the reason why I'm, t- I'm taking side deck. Other than that, did you switch cards around a lot between games? Um, just those ones. So I would either take Riddle Me This or Riddle Me That. Um, and that, that was really it. The other ones were just like some generics that I threw in there to fill that. You know, I have to put something in the six. Um, but typically it was just, am I going Riddle Me This or am I going Riddle Me That? Gotcha. I'd almost wonder if, um, like, is taking uh, the Riddle of Nowhere really worth it for you? I mean, they're, they're really easy scores. Um, it seems like if you to... just cut that out, then you just stay at your four, five, and six only. Yeah, I think it's just it's it's one of those, if you can get them turn one, your opponent's probably not stopping you. Mm-hmm. Because you're getting your one through six. They're really close. You probably don't have any riddle markers out to where if they want to stop that card, they have to try really hard to do so. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think... If there were some new cards that came in, maybe I would drop that one to just focus on half of the number set moving forward. But for right now, you get the one through six out. You still need to reveal your own suspects for various purposes. You know, um, having Riddler do it still benefits you because he can go up, reveal his own, get it off the board, and then drop two down. Sometimes you don't have the spacing to be able to put three in place. So, you know, he still manipulates, removes his own, drops two out in place. It works fine. So it's easy enough to get rid of three of those numbers. Um, was there any, like, particular matchups that you just noticed were different for Riddler? Or I know Riddler as a crew, you kind of do the same thing every time. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it's I have my, I call my Riddle Ball, which is Riddler, his various henchmen that all just kind of do their own little shenanigans where... You know, you load them up with the another one so they can all do the drop a riddle special because it's you're taking uh, at least the way I had to do it. Harley and Hush always had an audacity. Riddler had an audacity. And then I would just pick one of the henchmen who I thought would be able to utilize it. Um, so I went through and made sure that all of my henchmen at least had a special action that they can take. And uh, as far as matchup goes, I mean, my first one was against Bane Unleashed playing against Matt and... I mean, Bane Unleashed just kept moving up. I, I tried to get out of my corner a little bit. He moved in fast. So I went back into my little corner, and I just kind of got stuck there. I lost most of my models, but it didn't matter because the points were just moving. 
And that was the big thing. I did end up teleporting a handful of models to the other, or Riddler and Hush to the other side. And I was like, here, deal with this. So it ended up having to pull his focus and split it, allowing my henchmen to just continue doing their little thing, hopefully hopefully scoring some, uh, getting some cards out and scoring those cards. And overall, it worked. Um, I played against Finian and his Watchmen. And um, I, I don't know if it was just luck on my side, but everything went right. Like I said, I scored 46 points with Riddler, and I haven't gotten anything close to that since before the nerf happened, where you could really cheese and score two, three cards off of a single reveal. So it just it went really well. Every time I flipped a card, it scored, and that's normally not always the case. Uh, third game was against League. That one was tough. That was against Brian. I, I don't think I've ever played against him before. His league was very organized. So my biggest thing was like, how do I disrupt that organization? And he brought Talia, Deadshot, and Heretic. And I ended up just going all in and taking out Heretic, which was, was a big thing. Because I knew if Heretic got through that line of defense right there, he was just going to start slaughtering all of my guys and my deck would have fallen apart. So I was like, I'm going to just sacrifice a model, take out one of his big threat models, because I don't really care about Talia so much. He's not going to push her far enough into my zone that I need to worry about it. She's going to sit back and just kind of do inspire and you know defensive type stuff. And then Deadshot, he was probably my biggest threat, so I had to really be careful about placement. So I just moved things around to try to draw him out. And he's like, well, if I move back here, then maybe I can take that shot next turn and, and things like that. So... Uh, my last game was against Titans. That was Josh up in Canada, and that was a tough one. So he ended up beating me 32-36. Um, that turn four, I had three cards that I kept just trying to score, and I think he knew it. So he's like, I don't care. Kill all my models. I just You're not going to score those cards. And it worked out for him. So it was a, it was a very tough-fought game, and at the end of it, all of the models were in the middle. I mean, Riddler was stabbing things. Um, I had uh, the Kane guy, the Charlie Chapman. He was running up and just 360 striking. Didn't matter who it was. He didn't care. Um, the Emancipation resource kept firing off and knocking things out. It just worked really well. But still beat me. So, um, yeah, so I, I want to take that theory to a few other decks to see you know, take a step back and go, how much am I rep? How many models is required to score 80% of my deck? And then look at what can I take to disrupt my opponent from scoring? Because that's been a big thing. A lot of complaints lately where everybody's like, yeah, I just score my own deck and I stay in my little bubble. So it's more of a who has the higher ceiling. You're going to win the game. It doesn't really matter what your opponent does. It's just, oh, I average around 40. Well, I average around 44. Okay, you win. We don't even need to play right. the game. So I wanted to just kind of... Oh, go on. No, and that's kind of where I, I kind of agree with you. Like, And I think it comes down to not only list construction, but also deck construction. Because I think I think a lot of people are stuck, at least like me, just taking like the 20-card deck or the crew. Because like, I've done very few decks where I've built like added generics to it. I've just, oh, I'm just going to run the whole 20 cards. And then just play like that but um and then they'll play whatever crew with no free agents because 
I can definitely say that I was uncomfortable the playing with less than eight, really less than nine models with most of my crews. Uh, because I want those inspired henchmen to go out and do stuff. But they, even with an audacity, they, I mean, those inspired henchmen don't really do anything else. So I, I kind of can see what you're, where you're coming from with this idea of like adding a free agent or adding other models that can actually go out and stop your opponent and not just score your deck. Yeah, that's. I think it's the next thing that people might start looking at. Um uh, Richard in the Discord A team, he was the one that actually proposed it at one point. I was thinking about it, and he, like right around that same time, he came back and was like, "Hey, I just played this game where I brought Riddler and Deathstroke, and Deathstroke just went in and did Deathstroke things while the Riddler hung back and scored all of his stuff." And I was like, "So this definitely works with this crew, but where else could we still do the same thing?" Because I think most people are thinking about the free agents and going, "Well, they have to have audacity." And I'm not scoring cards during their activation. And that may be true, but if your opponent's also not scoring cards, I think that's a better benefit to give up that one audacity to stop them from scoring two or three cards, potentially, rather than you trying to go, well, I need to make sure I score on every single activation. Speaking Stopping well, your opponent uh, is just as important. I, I think this is... Ian, go, go ahead, Jason. Okay. Um, I was talking <laughs> about Lobo. I, I don't think he's great. But how much power did you notice that you could stop more than one model per activation? Because usually you're trading. Is it a big deal if you can stop two models and one go with a free agent? Because um, if you're taking, let's say, Deadshot, and you shoot one henchman, it's like, was that a good trade? Versus I could have taken a 24 rep model and done something very similar. I don't know, Christy, it, you brought if five. Yeah, so if that henchman is... Uh, if he's that important to scoring the deck, then yes. If he is just a henchman for point fillers, you know, or let's say it's a, a cop list and you're like, cool, you shot one of my cops. What does he do? He has a baton and he arrests. Good for you. I got four more of those. I don't think that's a, a that, that's not a good trade-off. That was a bad deal. Um, so, but if you're looking at, if your opponent brings a free agent specifically to help score cards and you trade off your free agent for his free agent, worth it. Because your free agent wasn't there to score cards. His was. So you just disrupted a massive part of his plan. Gotcha. So it almost looks like you're kind of going off basic rep, but just what is the function of the model? Yeah. So instead of thinking I traded, you know, 70 points for 60 points, which is what most people do. Yeah. Right. They they trade. Really people are always thinking about. Uh, I don't want to trade. You know, or it's it's kind of like in chess, right? You don't trade your queen to get a pawn. But you know what? Maybe you do. Maybe you do that because it sets up four more moves for you. It, and it feels. I, I feel like that's a fallacy in itself because, like, you you look at these higher point rep like free agents like Deathstroke or even Deadshot like. You're going to kill a model, and then it's not like they're going to easily kill you back. Like, if you moved out Deadshot and, like, moved him in front of a gun line, sure, you're going to lose your Deadshot. But if you just moved so you can see the one model, you killed him, and now they still have to deal with you, and now they're a model down, I mean, I think that's perfectly fine. Because Deadshot's going to kill a model a turn, on, on average. And Deathstroke 
probably can kill two models a turn once he gets in. Um, your attacks. How often are you guys splitting your attacks? Because like that seems to be for me. If you're free agent, you bringing something other than killing. Because like I've always taken like Black Canary, Captain, Clayface. Like they had potentials to do stuff outside of their activation, or I'm doing something and I can kill a model. Uh, yes. Splitting attacks is difficult if you're doing blood damage. If you're doing stun, especially you know double stun, they're not going to really effort your dice down. Um, if you're doing blood stun, I could see maybe a little bit of efforting coming in. Um, if you're shooting and you have, if you're not losing any dice and there's no cover, then sometimes it is worth it to shoot two models because you, you may not even be trying to kill those two models, but to just slow them down, to disrupt them, to put some kind of damage on them, especially if there's effect on the, in the gun, um, whether it's enervating or poison or you know, something along those lines that I think that's more beneficial to split, but you yeah. don't see it very commonly still. I've, yeah. I've done it a few times. I can actually see it on like your big, uh, attack five models to actually split your attacks and then take your three efforts that you're going to do and then split those between the two models. And yeah, those two models might effort you down, but you're almost guaranteed those hits through because it's really hard to roll a five on defense. I mean, you're mm -hmm. talking usually a two defense henchman. You should be able to get two to three hits in still. Exactly. And that's, I, I think that in itself, I mean, especially if you're talking double blood or double stun, I mean, that's enough to take those henchmen out. And it's, then you just move on to the next guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a thing to think about. I don't know if it's perfect. I mean, it's definitely a, idea because I, i've been sitting here like building lists of like oh my oc i have i have like 10 11 models in there and i mean with oc you get the especially black mask you have the two lieutenants that are amazing models on their own and are basically acting as free agents but uh, i could definitely see another crews wanting that role filled by someone else someone that's not batman because his free agents i think just directly work with the deck really well probably because they were you know, designed with that affiliation um but yeah no it's exciting i kind of just go on like guess my red play two face and first renegade of third edition i'm like i might not win i did really well but i'd rather do really well very much using every aspect of the game very much trying to stop my opponent um, i just think it's more fun you know i'd rather try to live in the dream instead of you know, stay in the corner, just doing very minimum. Yeah. I mean, I think Two-Face is one of those unique crews that, honestly, I feel it needs to actually focus on stopping the opponent. And while doing so, it'll probably score its cards just while you're doing that. And, yeah, I, I think they're a very unique crew in that aspect. I don't know. They're a fun crew. No one gives them the, the talk they need. <laughs> I, I defend them just like you do. I've played yeah. them with the entire deck multiple times and scored most of the deck every time I've played them. So I, I think they're perfectly fine. I think people just get too hung up on the coin flipping, and it's really not that bad. Um, another crew, I just, there was a second day for this run, uh, Renegade 250. I played Owls, uh, and I absolutely loved Owls. Like, I definitely could see me playing more of them. I've never really dived into it before, but I was like, wow, this is really fun. I like the fact that I'm, like, moving my owls and I'm trying to control where they are. Um, it was fun just to kill models and score off of that. 
And um, I mean, the big thing that was so fun was I had Chris custom make me little climbing tokens. Or they they actually whole ladders. They were not just tokens uh, for all my climbing claws. And I just straight up had owls just on on the walls, like as much as I could. Um, I wish I could have done that a little more in my first two games, but you know, the first one we honestly, me and Josh didn't get that far along. Uh, you know, we were all pretty tired, tired, just kind of chatting. Um, second game, um, I think I played. I'm trying to think his name. It might have been Sean. I'm trying to think if that was his name or not. Uh, he ran the cool Joker crew with the gentleman ghost, and the owl dream just happened. So I didn't really. <laughs> you know, I could I could have run up a wall, but like there was absolutely no need to. Um, then game three, I played Chris, who had a four model crew, uh, Red Rain Batman, and that one I just stayed on the walls just so it's like Red Rain can't touch me. <laughs> I think that just stopped both of our scoring though, but it was hilarious because we had a straight tie at 19 points. And the last game was against Matt, which. I almost scored everything. Everything I didn't score, I had to use resource um, to right. score. So, you know, I feel like that was kind of shooting owls in the foot while Matt scored literally everything. Um, he was running Titans, and he just... I'm trying to think what was in his deck, but it seemed like a lot of just the how the suspects out and within reach each other, and they have the number counters on each other. And I was like, well, I can't stop that, really. Yeah, yeah I, I think the owls actually fit in a sweet spot in the 250. Um, cause when you go up to 350, you're adding uh, two more models, mm-hmm. but your opponent's adding three to five models or that's what it kind of falls into. Yeah. So the, the eliteness in 250, I think tends to help them a little bit more. Um, hopefully that's not always the case. Maybe people are now starting to flesh out a little bit and understand how that deck works. Um, you know, knowing owl placement, is super important and your opening move is going to decide the fate of the first two rounds yeah or you just play plunder you don't have to make any opening moves because <laughs> like that was the thing everyone always plays plunder so i'm like let's just go for that you know um and two out of the four games were just plunder okay yeah the other ones were against you and matt where you had we picked the one with the we picked the corner deployments, no, I think. No, it was, it was the one with the 18-inch no. wall. Yeah, we had the wall. Yeah, but I was and just like, well, I'll just come on your side anyway. It's not really a yeah. big deal. Yeah, and, and so my list was Red Rain, Lieutenant Gordon, Fat Cop, and Larita. And the whole strategy there was Larita moves up, takes a shot. Um, Gordon then coordinates with him to take another shot. And then Fat Cop had order... So then Gordon could still uh, essentially get more use out of his detective by being ordered. And it worked, but having four models kind of hurt in a sense. Like it just, which I knew it would. Um, The whole reason why I just really wanted to play Red Rain and I don't see myself ever playing him in a 350 match. So I was like, screw it. I'll bring him for 250. I don't care that he's 150 out of my 250. It's... Let's just have some fun with it and see what these three models can do. And the three models got working. They score most of my points. Um, Lieutenant Gordon is MVP yet again. And uh, I'm going to have to admit my fault on Red Rain. When he first was released, I noticed he had an additional minus one die when people attack him. And I thought that was broken. I was pretty pissed off. I'm like, 
minus two dice is just too much. Um, but after playing him, minus two dice feels really good. And it wasn't this... It's not like Freeze, where Freeze just kind of walks in. He's like, go ahead and try to take a shot. Technically, it's the same thing, but it feels so much different. Because um, Batman's up in your face to where typically, like Freeze, you have to go after him. Batman's coming after you. He's not a martial artist. So if you can find a model to just sacrifice him and stand next to him, like waste that action for then your heavy hitter to come in. Um, if somehow you... Well, I guess you can't knock him down because you never roll a strength die. So he does um, actually have bad armor. Yeah, so he has, he's got the no strength die and then minus one attack die. But with defense five, and then you are minus one to hit. So I just I found a lot of people were like, well, I have plus one to hit and you're outnumbered. So I'm just negating your negative and dropping you down to a defense four. So it's yeah. just the 50-50 there. And, so, you know, I don't think I, I lost him. He did get knocked out a couple times. And he was more of just like that harasser model where let's get up, disrupt my opponent, make my opponent deal with him instead of scoring their cards and doing their plan. While Gordon just it's like, all right, let's go secure some perimeters. Let's throw some snitches, uh, you know, just the basic stuff that he does. And overall, it worked. So simply comparing notes, like my Catman, opposite problem. I'm the alpha, so they could never outnumber me or do anything to reduce my defense, which I'm loving that trait. Uh, I think it's funny, though, when he gets knocked down to the ground. I'm like, well, I'm the alpha. I'm still defense five. I don't care that I'm on the ground. <laughs> um, but having no bad armor, which obviously he should. He's not Batman. But he is a Batman-type character. That really hurts. I noticed how much I got knocked out, or knocked down, I mean, a crit, or just having a dice that your defense five has nothing to do. Did you... I don't know, like, which trade-off sounds better? Negating that strength dice or being able to not be uh, outnumbered? Um, I like the strength die on Batman just because when people are shooting him, they have to essentially, like, they have to respect his defense five, right? So, mm -hmm. and if you're within eight, you're hitting him on sixes, you know, oh, yeah, if you're trying to him. shoot him. Because, yeah, it, all models around him are minus one to attack and defense. So... And uh, again, like it's if you're up against Red Rain, get in his face, stay in his face because he wants to attack people that can't see him when he activates so he can get the sneak attack, the free, you know, no efforts on his attack. So you really, really want to just get on him, stay on him, keep him outnumbered, keep him trapped. And I, I think it might disrupt your scoring, but he's not going to be slaughtering your models the way you thought he would be now. Maybe in a 350, he gets in there and disrupts, and then there's another, you know, 80 point free agent. That's the one getting in there and messing with your models. That could be really shitty. That would be insane. It'll be fun. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would probably bring Red Hood with the crowbar. Red Hood's amazing. And then Red Hood would be the one going up and doing all the damage, while Red Rain is just there to disrupt and distract you. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Nightwing. The new Nightwing would yeah. be great too. Two Shadow Nightmares. Okay. Yeah. Pop them in together. <laughs> Nightwing has the vigilantes work, so we can get that free manipulate if you want them to. All right. I think we, as much as I'd like to sit here and ruminate for another hour. Yep. That's probably the cast right there. <laughs> I think we uh, can wrap this up. Uh, we're going to try to make this a more average thing and not disappear for another six months. I think that's our goal. 
Yeah, instead of basing it on tournament scenes. Um, I mean, we got the new the new starter box coming out that I think we want to sit down and talk about the cards. Um, oh, yeah. Technically, they got released yesterday, but they weren't supposed to be. The designer put all the information in the app, but he didn't hit update. But anybody that their phone refreshed the data somehow got those cards. Yeah. So uh, those should be officially out sometime in the next couple of days. So once that's done, I think we're going to try to get back together and just kind of talk about, uh, you know, put some new potential strategies, the new character cards that are coming in that box. And, OC's you know, actually good. OC's always good. Yeah, they are. I've about? always been a fan of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll yeah. be back sooner than later. Hopefully. See you till then. Yeah. Peace out. We are the Ark of Case Bob. He actually remembered the name. <laughs> he definitely said rejects right at the start. I did say rejects off of the discord i was like wait a minute i said the wrong thing